Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. For weeks, the threat of a Russian invasion into Ukraine put the energy sector on edge. And after that threat became reality early Thursday, fear entered the markets. Financial markets worldwide essentially are tanking right now, feeling the impact of Mr. Putin's aggression. Brent crude oil prices blasted through $100 a barrel on Thursday as Russia invaded Ukraine. U.S. average for a gallon of gas climbed to $3.53 a gallon. Industry analysts warn that if hostility continues, and if new sanctions imposed by the U.S. and the European Union target Russian oil and gas, oil prices could soar even higher. That would add to President Joe Biden's laundry list of current problems as he tries to counter Russia's military aggression while also addressing already high inflation. I know this is hard and that Americans are already hurting. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. Today, Politico's Ben Lefebvre on what a Russian invasion of Ukraine means for the energy sector. It's Friday, February 25th. Ben, I guess to start, how did the oil markets react after Russia's invasion began early Thursday morning? The initial reaction was that oil prices popped by about $7 a barrel. They had ended on Wednesday market close about $92, $93 a barrel, I believe, and around Thursday, 3 a.m., it briefly touched $100. It's since gone down. I think a lot of that increase was due to just basically fear, um, not knowing what was going on. You kind of get that fog of war thing going where People are concerned, you know, are the sanctions that the Biden administration are announcing, is that going to impact energy prices or, you know, oil flow out of Russia or natural gas flow out of Russia? You know, is there a missile going to hit a pipeline somewhere or something? But that initial fear seems to have subsided. I think prices are basically where they were before all this began. And so obviously a lot of this is in flux, but how will the Russian invasion directly or indirectly impact energy prices in the U.S.? So far, there's not looking to be any direct effect. Russia so far has not said it's going to limit oil exports. When we talk about oil exports out of Russia, very little of it goes to the U.S. The bigger impact is oil is a global market. So if all of a sudden there's supply missing out of one area, you know, and Russia is a major supplier, other countries who are looking for oil might bid up the price trying to get other supplies coming their way. So the, the indirect effect comes more from countries maybe not wanting to do business with Russia now on oil. We heard from sources that companies that operate oil tankers, some of them are getting shy about taking on Russian crude. They don't want to load some oil onto their ship that they then find out maybe a Russian oligarch who's under sanctions had some kind of uh, involvement with. So they're kind of deciding that discretion is the better part of business. And so around the edges like that of the market, you are starting to see maybe some Russian supply getting diverted or maybe, you know, from where it would normally go or just not getting to market at all. But that would be the main effect on U.S. oil prices. There's been reports about Russian energy now struggling to reach the West after the invasion began. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
as I mentioned, that's more of companies wondering if they want to get involved with buying Russian crude or loading Russian crude onto their ships. There's some also talk that, you know, insurance companies may be taking a look at whether they need to raise rates on any kind of, you know, ships that are doing business. You know, if you're going to be going into part of a war zone, they might not, they may want to increase your rates. And also, you know, Reuters reported uh, because of these sanctions on Russian financial institutions, some companies that might need like a letter of credit, you know, usually you just don't go pay cash for oil. You basically take it on credit. Some companies aren't able to get credit for the purchases they may have made from Russia. So that might also keep some oil out of the market. And you reported a bit on these sanctions announced Thursday. Could you talk a little bit about how those could directly impact oil and gas from Russia? So far, it looks like it's not going to. We reported that this latest round does not include sanctions against Russia's major oil company, Rosneft, its CEO, uh, Igor Sechin, who's also a close confidant of Russian President Vladimir Putin. The sanctions do go after the son of Sechin, and the sanctions target Gazprom in a kind of a weird way. Gazprom is the major Russian natural gas company. They're the ones who were behind the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that the first round of sanctions kind of stopped, even though it's not an operating pipeline. The sanctions on Thursday target Gazprom's ability to raise money through debt markets. So it's not quite crippling the company. It's just making things more uncomfortable for Gazprom. I think it's done in a way that Gazprom can still make deliveries of natural gas and would probably not want to reduce or or restrict its own supply. I think the thinking is if Gazprom cannot raise money in the debt market, the only way it's going to keep making money is to keep selling gas. So it won't be able to basically stop selling gas into Europe to put the squeeze on Europe and then try to raise money with bonds. So that's the extent that we've seen so far out of of the administration on any kind of energy-related sanctions. Also, a new ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit is raising questions about who President Joe Biden might pick to replace Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. The court issued a rebuke to FERC in a rare Thursday order. The agency didn't properly explain its reasons for terminating the contract between a Connecticut gas-fired power plant and a regional power grid operator. Now, the timing of the order is drawing speculation for two reasons. The court typically releases its decisions on Tuesdays and Fridays. And Katanji Brown-Jackson, who is on the panel, is rumored to be one of President Joe Biden's top nominees. Back in 2018, the court similarly published an off-cycle order shortly before Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who at the time was also on the panel, was nominated to the Supreme Court. The White House did not respond to a request for comment on the status of the Supreme Court nominee. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Carlos Prieto and Raghu Manavalan edited this week's podcast. Normal Malaykul is the podcast producer. Jenny Ament is the senior producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back on Monday. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that, one day, can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com forward slash RNG.